All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Take three, episode three. Uh, Brandon here with my guy Alex on a Tuesday evening, coming off of a weird, I'd say weird game four with Bucks and Hawks. We'll get into that, but I mean, just start off. Just how, how are you? How are you feeling today, my man? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. Uh, just coming off, like you said, that weird, weird Bucks Hawks game. So there's plenty to talk about with that. It looked like a boring series, honestly, going into this game because I figured it'd be an easy Bucks win, but a lot of craziness happened. So let's go ahead and just jump into it. That's for sure. So I mean, we'll we'll fire it in. I don't want to start right off with the obviously the big topic on is uh, Giannis's knee injury, and they listed it as a hyperextended left knee. But I don't really want to start there because this game kind of starts um, in the fact that. The Bucks didn't look interested in winning the game. I mean, when I watched the first half, the Bucks didn't look – they looked like they took a page out of the Suns, uh, the Suns game plan, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But they just didn't look interested. It looked like it was weird because no Trey Young. Trey Young's out two hours before the game. So I was like going into it, I was like, okay, this is easy work. Like this is, this is a 15-, 20-point game, right? The Bucks are going to run them out of the gym and they should make it look relatively easy. And then as I watched this game, first quarter goes by, they're – down five, I think it was 25-22, and then half happens, they're down more, and I'm just like, these guys, I, I don't know what's going on. They're not remotely interested in just stepping on a team's throat and going to the finals even before uh, Giannis got hurt. Yeah, funny enough, it was like a 15-20 to 20 point game, but for the Hawks, right? So, yeah, going into it, you have the Trey Young injury, like, like you said, it's announced two hours before. And then I think the line moves from minus six to like minus nine, which makes sense to me. And I figured, I think the general consensus and thought is that the Bucks are going to just roll and then go on home to with a 3-1 lead ready to close it out. I mean, no Trey Young, this Hawks team, is this Hawks team even like a playoff team over the course of a season? Probably not, but they played well. Lou Williams, like he's – uh, older uh, older vet now coming off the bench normally, but he, he got the start for Trey, scored 21 points, and then the Hawks just looked way more interested. Even, like, the honest injury is unfortunate, but that was in the third quarter. Like, they were already losing at half. They, they lost wire to wire. The Hawks won wire to wire. They took it from the very start, and, like, it's honestly disappointing to see because, like, the East has lined up perfect for the Bucks this year between the Nets getting hurt, uh, clearing their demons from last season and sweeping the heat. It really feels like it, this was kind of a Bucks year considering they're like the only team in the playoffs before the Giannis injury, unfortunately, that were like completely healthy. Now we're looking at a 2-2 series and I don't know who which star can play first, Giannis or Trey. So like I really don't know going heading into these last three games what's really going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you sit back and look at it, it's now, it's a best of three series. They're going to go back to Milwaukee. I'm going to be very, very honest. I guess we can jump into it. I don't think Giannis plays the rest of the series. I don't think if they somehow miraculously win this, I don't think he plays the rest of the playoffs. It just, I mean, I saw the injury when it happened. It was weird. I thought right on the spot it was a torn ACL. I was like, he's done. Like, this is pretty simple. That's what I was going to ask. You think it's an ACL? He was laying on the ground screaming, and then he kind of mm-hmm. gets up and he goes to the goes in the tunnel, and he comes back out of the tunnel, and everybody's like, I'm like, is this dude really about to come back in the game? And it's like, Budenholzer's crazy enough. Like, that guy looks like he has everything that he bet his entire estate on every game. He's sweating, looks like he's pulling hair out, losing hair. 
But uh, so when I saw you, I was like, there's no way he's going to put him back in. And then obviously he went back to the uh, tunnel. But I, yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's an ACL, to be honest. I'm not any type of medical professional. I mean, the couple of reactions that I saw on Twitter, uh, I believe it's from Pro Football Doc. I usually follow uh, him when it comes to any type of injuries. He's usually on the spot. He sees the video somebody will send him. And he said uh, it looked good that he could have avoided an ACL, but he said he's definitely – he's going to be done for this series and the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, it turns into a best of three. And, I mean, obviously, I think Trey Young, if he doesn't come back – I think he'll come back in game five. I mean, I'd say he was probably close to coming back and being available for this game four. So, I think – I mean, it shifts massively. I'm interested to see what the line looks like, but I'd have to favor the – Hawks, I would say easily, even with a, with a Havel Trey Young, they seem like, I mean, as we said going into this, they're a gritty team. Like, this is a game that they shouldn't even have been in, really, without Trey Young. And they just, they're willing to grind and battle, and they never give up. That's that's one thing I see out of those guys. So Kevin Herger, as you said, Lou Williams finds a way to chip in. Danilo Gallinari's firing. Even uh, Bogdan. Bogey was out there with the bad knee. He was hitting some shots. It just seems like they they're, they're always out to prove something. The Hawks are definitely a gritty team, and they're definitely deeper than the Bucks. Like, like you said, you just listed all those players. They definitely just feel deeper. But like, I don't know. Without Giannis, the Bucks play at a much faster pace, and all of a sudden, you're going to have Middleton, Lopez, Holiday, Tucker. Like, all of them are going to be jacking up threes, and they do have home court advantage in the best of three. So, like, I think it still goes seven. And if it goes seven, game seven, you never know what can happen. It's in Milwaukee. I mean, Chris Middleton showed that he can he can ball out and play. That's the frustrating part about Chris Middleton. We got like 35 points last game or something ridiculous, and in this game he goes 0 for 7 from 3 and just 16 points in a game where they really needed him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't want to count out the Bucks. Even even if Trey Young comes back and he's like in full form and he's giving you 30 and 10, I don't know because. Giannis slows down the pace for him. And, yeah, he's huge defensively, and you really can't replace an MVP like that. Like, he's massive for the team. However, if I'm trying to look on the upside for the Bucks, you can push pace like crazy now and get a lot more shots up. And if they're hitting them, they're hitting them. But the issue is you're playing a Hawks team that wouldn't mind pushing the pace and shooting up the three. So it's like I don't know if you want to get into that style of gameplay. It kind of reminds me of, like, the – uh, first-round matchup between the Mavs and the Clippers in the first two games in L.A. The Mavs stole both. It felt like the Clippers were doing, like, shooting a ton of threes and playing fast place into the Mavericks' hands. And I kind of feel like the Bucks could be – like, it's like a double-edged sword there, picking up the pace and shooting more because you're kind of falling into the uh, Hawks' hands between Herter and Bogdan and Trey just jacking them up. So, I really don't know. If I'm going to pick – the best of three here to go to the NBA finals. I'm going to lean on the home team, the Milwaukee Bucks still in seven, but I don't feel confident in that. I wouldn't bet. I would not bet on that. It's <laughs> it's a tricky situation, but I, I would just go with the home team. I think they can surprise us and get it done. Unfortunately, we've seen so many injuries this playoffs. It's, it's been a little disappointing, but it's- I, I would, I would lean the Bucks. It's yeah, it's super weird. I mean, that confidence level in that Bucks pick—that's a Budenholzer confidence level. Like it didn't didn't yeah, seem it's very, not great. It, it didn't seem very confident. I I mean, if you're gonna ask me to pick a best of three, I think it's done in six. I don't know what mentality, what 
what is the – I don't know. What the, how is that locker room going to feel that they're watching Giannis go down and then they get thrashed even when he was out on the court? And then, yeah, I mean, home court, you, you can – you can say the role players, but it's like, what role guy? I mean, it's going to be Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, like the who, the who's who of guys. If they're giving Jeff Teague minutes because he got into the game today, you know they're done. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're firing in some Jeff Teague minutes, and it's like you're going to – I just I, – I don't trust Mike Budenholzer to adjust a game plan because if you're going to up the pace and you're going to go fast, the Hawks are going to love that, right? They are going to be able to get out and run. Trey Young likes to run, draw those fouls. And they're going to play that run and gun style, like you said. And the Hawks can just, they can shoot with the best of them. I mean, you're asking a lot of Chris Middleton. You're asking, he's going to have to be on point for three straight games. He can do it. I mean, he has it in him. He's an Olympian. They have two Olympians on the team. They both didn't really play like it tonight. But I would just say, I mean, with Budenholzer's track record, no Giannis, I would, I'd have to go, I think it's done in six. I would say the, the Atlanta Hawks take the next two games close them out, wrap it up, and then I don't even know what you do if you're the Bucks after that. If I'm being honest, I don't know if Budenholzer can even come back. Hey, you made it a step farther, but a Giannis injury happened. It's kind of like – it's kind of weird. It's, it's it's unfortunate. Like, do you – if he gets fired, it's like – like, he hasn't been great the last few years in the playoffs, but, like, he had the run this year, but then there's a Giannis injury, so it's kind of an out. But if, like, you're the – front office do you just kind of take it as an opportunity to get rid of them and is there even a really good upgrade out there I don't I don't really know but I mean yeah I don't think they do it I mean there there's Becky Hammond I like Becky Hammond quite a bit oh yeah she's a spur dude yeah I don't know if they I mean they'd be plucking another one right Budenholzer was a spurs guy yeah yeah Yeah, so they'd be plucking another one I don't know yeah it's interesting I mean the Bucks. I got a hypothetical for you yeah let's hear it So the Clippers had an unfortunate injury as well, but their head coach has pushed all the right buttons. They've gotten Paul George playing great. They got the uh, other guys contributing at a high level on the road in Utah, in Phoenix. If Milwaukee had Ty Lue and he had the, and he could push the buttons would like, if he, they had Ty Lue instead of Budenhoser, would you feel good about the Bucks in the last three games? Um, I don't know if I'd feel great, but I'd give them a better shot. I mean, I pretty much shit on Ty Lue quite a bit um, at the beginning of the playoffs. Said he yeah, said he's lucky to be in the spot he is because LeBron gifted him a ring. And then Ty Lue, I mean, I think he's 10-2 and two all time against elimination. I think he has like the best record as a head coach against elimination. And yeah, I mean, I'd give them a better shot, right? I think Ty Lue knows how to adjust. He knows how to, he figured out that matchup in the, in the Utah series where he said, we'll throw a Terrence man out there. And if Rudy Gobert is never going to come out of the paint, we'll, we'll take our shot there. He just seems to find a way to, um, to adjust and pull the right string. So yeah, I would definitely give them, if they had Ty Lue over Budenholzer, I would give them a better shot. I can't say, maybe I'd say it goes seven. And then as you say, game seven in Milwaukee, anything can happen. So I would give them a way better shot than with uh, Mike Budenholzer. I would assume you would say the same. I mean. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting, like, hypothetical. But, yeah, I'd give them a better shot. I mean, there's really no reason to have confidence in Mike Budenholzer. It's not just this playoff run. It's the last, like, two playoff runs before this as well. Yeah, it's just what what they're going to war with. I mean, late in the game, Clint Capella, I think somebody said he broke his nose. But he can wear a mask and he'll be out there. But – 
Yeah, it's just Mike Budenholzer gives you no faith, and it's like, can I trust Chris Middleton to be on and Drew Holiday to be on for three straight games? Because that's what it's going to take, right? They're going to have to play their best basketball for three consecutive games and then still probably get somebody like a Brooke Lopez or a Bobby Portis or Bryn Forbes to fire in uh, 18 to 20 points to give them that extra scoring because we know what the Hawks can bring. We know, I mean, when Trey Young gets out there, even if he's not scoring, he'll get you his 15 points and he'll find a way to get you 15 assists and get the other guys going as well. Right, so, and you're losing about 30 at 25 to 35 points from Giannis, and that's yep. massive to make up. And, and you know it's the Hawks night when uh, Clint Capella makes a fadeaway behind the backboard, like shot clock swish. Like, but, yeah, dudes, yeah, dudes throwing in park shots. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, the Bucks are losing 25 to 30 points, rebounding defense. They're losing so much, and they're going to be asking so much of guys. But I mean, as we usually come on here, I mean, it could be tomorrow. They'll say Giannis is okay. He puts some ice on the knee. He'll be ready for game five. And then uh, it'll be another another inaccurate take from us. But, I mean, any closing thoughts on the Bucks or the Hawks? No, not really. Not with the injuries. It's like a lot of questions marks. I'm, like, leaning towards Bucks, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks taking in six or seven or the Bucks in seven I just don't know I was hoping I could go into this episode and talk about the resilience of the Bucks after halftime being like coming back and everything but man that it just did not work out so what I thought going into this night I was going to say we're one we're one Bucks went away and they're going to the NBA finals and Giannis is finally going to get that stage and uh I won't even bring up the free throw thing that was kind of depressing to watch I mean they were counting the numbers, and that guy was firing up. He couldn't even hit the rim. I mean, I guess I could say Ben Simmons hits the rim, but we won't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's swap over. We're out west. I mean, game five, Clippers, Suns. It was another team that, I mean, the Suns, they go back home. They're a win away from the finals. Everything is in their backyard, and – the first half was the Marcus Morris game, to be honest. He led all scorers at half with 20 points. I was like, I was like, you know, this is a weird game if that guy's leading all scorers. But, I mean, yeah, the Suns just didn't seem interested either. They didn't – I don't know. They didn't have the urge. Paul George did his thing. That man went out. Reggie Jackson seems like he wants to secure another bag this offseason because that guy's all of a sudden balling out. But it was, uh, it was weird. DeMarcus Cousins showed back up. I mean, he gave him 15 points in 11 minutes. That's – that's uh, that's crazy, and it's even without Zubac, right? I thought no Zubac. I was like, this is an eight and eats game. They they don't really have a big, and they're just gonna get torn up. Definitely the Aiden thing. That was the weird part watching that Suns game is that like Aiden was not dominating the offensive boards, and they like I understand they were like closing out on Aiden in the paint really fast to like not let him have those easy oops or easy baskets. But like I don't know, I felt like they should have gotten the ball to him in the paint and just let him work more. But to the point of the Suns being uninterested, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, they could have played with more urgency in the eight and thing, like I just said. But, like, the Clippers came out ready to play. Like, Marcus Morris, 20 points in the first half, six to six. Paul George gives you 30 in the second half. Like, I would – the Bucks didn't feel like they were ready to play. I – in that game, and the Hawks just took it from them. I think it wasn't – the Suns could have played better, but it was more of the Clippers, like, showing who they are. Like, it's unfortunate, again, with these injuries, but this with, – because with Kawhi Leonard, they're so good, maybe even championship team. But 
this Paul George-like Clippers team is like no no pushover. They're really balling. They showed it in Utah. They showed it in Phoenix. And let's not forget, they really are a bad defensive oop play from going home to L.A. up 3-2 to close it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anytime Paul George is going to shoot 15 of 20 and give you 41 points, I mean, that was – he – everybody slanders him, man. Even at half, they're slandering him. Where's Paul George? Paul George needs to do this. And then he comes out and gives you a 30-point second half. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say that the Suns weren't – they were prepared to play. It just seems like if you're going back home a game away from the finals in what, how many years, 30 years, 40 years? It gets, it's a Barkley team. Yeah, so it's been a while. So it's like you would think they would get home behind that crowd. That crowd is crazy, by the way. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the Clippers came out and did it, but you'd just like to see, I mean, as a home team, feed off that crowd, have your guys go, have DeAndre and give you more than 10 points and 11 rebounds and 37 minutes of action against the team that lacks a big and the big they're using is an often injured Boogie Cousins. So, I mean, it's weird for me because the more the series lingers on, it's like the Clippers can really steal this. It's like, I feel like the Clippers, they shouldn't steal it. I mean, there's no way in hell they should steal it, but it's like, I watch it linger on and I'm like the Clippers, they could, it's like, I mean, I would almost take them. I think they will win game six. And then I feel like we will be back in Phoenix for a game seven which it opens a lot of doors. Game seven, like I said earlier, anything can happen. I'm rooting for a game seven just as a basketball fan. Like, I just want a game seven for with the uh, chance to go to the NBA Finals on the line. Like, that's just fun. And, like, this Clippers team, like, they're growing on me. I was rooting against them in the first round and the second round, but – they're fun to watch. They're doing well. And, like, man, it would be really unfortunate for Chris Paul to – if the Phoenix Suns don't come out of this series and make the finals because that would be a 3-1 lead blown. And on top of that, that would be another Western Conference finals exit. And just Chris Paul has been so close so many times. He makes teams so much better, and he's so good. And he's a, he's a legendary player. It's like he deserves to play in the finals. He deserves a championship. We'll see if he gets it. He has a very good chance this year. If I were to pick a team with all these injuries out of the last remaining four, I would think Phoenix ends up the champions. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, they're the shit I mean, right now they're still – it's pretty much a pick them. They're a one-point favorite going into, going into game six tomorrow. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, they have everything. They just need to kind of get it rolling, get DeAndre Ayton back involved. I mean, they could very well blow the Clippers out tomorrow and make me look like a fool, right? The Clippers, I mean – Clippers are a weird team as well. They're kind of – I mean, if Paul George isn't on because he's the only star, I mean, then they're going to rely on – they still need guys like Reggie Jackson to come out and do what they're doing. They need a lot of a lot of role guys alongside Paul George to do their thing just to keep up with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and uh, those guys. But, I mean, if you had this, so it's now – what is it? It's two games left in that series. Do you think the Suns – Suns in seven? Or do you think the Suns close it out tomorrow? I'm going to go with Suns and seven because that's what I personally want to see. But they're like a Devin Booker explosion away from just crushing the Clippers. I mean, he finally scored over 30 again last game, but it wasn't exactly efficient. Like, we've seen what he can do when he closed out uh, the Lakers and then he had great games against Denver. And hit game one to uh, open up the conference finals with 40, and he's super efficient. So, like, I think that game's coming, whether it's game six or game seven, Booker's going to explode and just – close him out he's very capable of doing it but 
as a basketball fan, I'm going to lean towards Suns and seven. Yeah, I mean, that's facts. I, I mean, I already said it. Yeah, I would take Suns and seven, but you're right. I mean, Devin Booker could come out and do exactly what he did in the last game against the Lakers at Staples Center, light the place on fire and just make the team, make the uh, – make the job easy and then we'll be like, damn, here's the Phoenix Suns team. Where was this? And like, why couldn't they just put it all together in game five? And they'd already be sitting at home waiting, uh, waiting for the Eastern conference team. But I mean, yeah, so we're both, we're both on board with that. So now I'm going to pose an interesting question for the Clippers coming out of this. So all the talk through all of this, right. When we've talked about the Clippers is, will Paul George get moved? Will Paul George get moved? What, where will Paul George go? They're, they're bound for a split up. But now I have an interesting that I heard is would the um, are, are, should the Clippers explore moving on without Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be 30 years old? The body's more like 36 years old. I mean, he's honestly in basketball years older than LeBron, if not at least the same. I mean, he's been beat up. And it's like I watched the Clippers team, and they're maybe not overall better but the team kind of flows better and it allows Paul George to be, I'd say more free there. He, he's way more free without Kawhi Leonard. Should, should the Clippers look to move on or kind of let Kawhi Leonard explore his options as he has a player option going into free agency. Um, if you were leading that front office, what would your move be with that? I would try and keep Kawhi Leonard. But it's really – it's not as simple as he's a great player. Let's keep him. What? Where exactly does he go? So, if he wants to stay in California, because it's very much been on record that he definitely wants to be in California. There's only two other teams. Well, I mean, I guess there's the Kings, but that's not really – that's not really an option. There's only <laughs> there's two, two other teams. teams. <laughs> you got the Los Angeles Lakers, which cap space and contract-wise, I don't know how that's going to work. And then you have the Warriors, which I think will come back with Benjus next season, but that's a different topic. But, like, they – in order to be on the Warriors, there's got to be a sign and trade of something between like Clay and Draymond. There's just too many big contracts there. And I think the Cl- Kawhi Leonard's best chance is the Clippers. He's got a good head coach when he wants. He's living in Los Angeles with his family. That's what he wants. He has a team that's built around him, a championship contender, and he's a star. I don't know where he goes to have a better option. And like coming off this injury, I don't know if other team his value is probably not as high. It's still high because he's Kawhi Leonard, but his value is probably not as high because like there's always the chance of like, like you said, his body's really beat up. Like, does he come back as the same Kawhi Leonard? And I would assume the Clippers would have the most confidence out of any other franchise since that's where he's been. And that's their guy as of right now. If I'm the Clippers, I would try and get him back because after this, let's say they lose to the Suns, I'd, like you feel like you were the injury away that like you would probably win the championship. If I'm the Clippers and I lose to the Suns, I would think we should have been champions. Let's try and get Kawhi Leonard back healthy just in time for the postseason. Like don't even worry about regular season play at all next year. So also if you lose Kawhi Leonard, where do you go? Cause Reggie Jackson, I believe is going to be a free agent. He's going to uh, garner quite a bit of money. As I say, Reggie's searching for another bag. I don't know. One team that's been rumored a lot that I've been hearing is Miami. That he some apparently he has a relationship with Jimmy Butler and their buddies. And uh, I don't know if he would actually Reggie Jackson. No, 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 no. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard in Miami. Yeah, Reggie. Reggie Jackson. (laughs) I was gonna say what? (laughs) No, Kawhi Leonard's been floated to Miami. I don't know if that's even a real thing. 
if that even has a remote possibility of happening. I mean, obviously, Pat Riley's wild if it was even remotely on the table. If Jimmy Butler – one hell of a defensive team. Yeah. I mean, if he came to if – if Jimmy Butler comes to Pat Riley and says, Kawhi Leonard wants to be here, go get Kawhi Leonard. It, uh, I mean, I think it would ultimately happen. But, yeah, it's weird because it's like he – they kind of shelled out so much to bring those two guys together in um, – in LA and to just break that up. And it's just, it's just an interesting topic because he's, he's beat up and he's obviously not here at the end of this playoff run with another kind of a weird injury. That's, it's kind of like a body breaking down injury. I don't know. It's, he's kind of had this throughout his career, even when it ended his tenure with the Spurs with whatever it was, a thigh bruise or something like that. I don't even know. A thigh bruise keeps Zaza happening. Pachulia. Yeah. It's kind of weird that ended his tenure there. But, yeah, I mean, if you're the Clippers, obviously you're going to gun to – you have Steve Ballmer, like you're getting a new arena. You're not going to want to shell out everything for two years of Kawhi Leonard, no championship, build a new arena. And then what are you pitching? You're pitching Paul George and the boys. And then, yeah, as you said, the two L.A. teams, I mean, it gets weird. I don't know what the Warriors could do. I mean, they have the seventh pick and they have James Wiseman. I don't know. I haven't done any trade machine or any crazy thing to even think if they could pull something off. But I mean, would that even interest the uh, the Clippers? I don't think so. So it's just. I don't think that's enough. James Wiseman in the pick. It just, it doesn't feel like it's enough. No. If, I don't... I'm, if I'm the Clippers, I'd like you just get so much worse without Kawhi Leonard because like Paul George has been great and this team's on a good run, but it's a, they're in the playoffs already. Like. What's it look like without them all to go through the full course of a season? Do you even get home court advantage in the West, you know? And the Reggie Jackson thing, I think, looms large because he's giving you 20-plus points a game. And if he doesn't re-sign, if he's not there next year, that's a big hole to fill, especially if Kawhi Leonard's going to be hurt. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they need to find a way, I guess, to – I don't even know how many games Kawhi Leonard played this year, but they got to find a way to, uh, to manage it, whatever team gets him. I mean – Obviously, if a Warriors thing was being floated, it'd kind of be even a Warriors or a Heat thing. It's kind of would be floated that Kawhi's told the Clippers, I'm not coming back. And then you're kind of at that point, if the seventh pick and James Wiseman gets a deal done, it's like you're either taking that or you're taking nothing. But I don't even think, I mean, I obviously think he'll probably be back with the Clippers, but it's like just an interesting thing to float because the guy that the, the fall guy has always been Paul George, but it's now like we're watching this run and Paul George is doing all this stuff and really keeping the team afloat and keeping the team relevant. And uh, I mean, push the series, this series to six games when I thought they were probably doomed. Um, it's just interesting, kind of just a hypothetical as well. Do you think a Miami Kawhi Leonard team can win the East in a championship? Because I feel like the Warriors with Kawhi Leonard could definitely do it. But yeah. could Miami? I mean, Miami would have – I don't Let's even say know they have Jimmy, like. Bam, Leonard, and then you get to keep like a couple of your shooters. I don't, I don't think that beats like a healthy Brooklyn team still. No. Um, they have the defense. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, obviously I'd probably favor Brooklyn if all three of those guys are there. Like there's – I mean, that's a trio that can give you 90 points and make it look relatively easy as they do it. They wouldn't have – I mean, they'd both be in similar situations with no role guys. But if we're just going flat off of the better overall uh, – the team I'd go with, yeah, probably the Nets. But, I mean, they would definitely be – I'd have to say – be a series. 
Yeah, or they'd be a close, yeah, a close second because I don't even we don't know what the Sixers are going to look like. So it's like it's a move that Pat Riley would do, though. I know if it was on the table, even somehow, and we'll definitely see how it plays out. If he'll even opt out, he could just opt in, take his thirty-six million, come back next year, play, and then the following year see what it looks like. So it's um, yeah, it's all about how he recovers from the injury. We we don't know if he's the same player, then. Yeah, I mean, we don't even know what the injury is, right? Like, nobody – they keep saying knee sprain, and they keep just ruling him out game by game. It's like uh, he's probably out for the season, I would assume, anyway. So, it's like – Yeah, I think he definitely is. I think they're just being secretive. I think he's probably out for the start of next season, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. He was in He was in the press box. That was weird. I'm like, aren't they usually, like, he, a vocal guy on the team's down on the bench? LeBron's hurt. LeBron's probably down on the bench. Anthony Davis is hurt. I mean, same, you've seen it with Kyrie, KD. Is just it's a weird situation when they pan to him. It is like they're trying to keep it under wraps and not, uh, I guess, not show the leg or not show anything of how he's moving at all. Like, right, if he's down on the court, you'd be able to see how he's moving and see if he has a limp, and then you'd be, yeah, he's done. But, I mean. Yeah. I read something about him not trusting the team medical staff, and then, like, I know he has his own medical staff and his own guys in place that he trusts, that he likes to listen to. But if that is true and he doesn't trust his medical staff and he ends up, this is like the uh, end of the Kawhi Leonard era. And with the Clippers, that would be two franchises that he's kind of had injury problems with and then disagreed with them and kind of forced his way out. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I did not hear that. That's that's weird. I know he has like the Uncle Dennis medical, tam- medical camp or whatever to Uncle Dennis's hospital or uh, I guess whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I did not hear that he doesn't have trust in the Clippers. And I mean, if that's two teams, if it's the Spurs who have a pretty pretty damn good track record with Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, all those guys. And then now the Clippers who seem like a functioning organization. I mean, they have Jerry West up there. I would assume they function just fine. I would say that it might be a Kawhi Leonard problem. It might be an Uncle Dennis issue. And he's getting micromanaged a little too much by Uncle Dennis. He might trust the Clippers. Who knows what's real and not real with some of these news news uh, reports? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's something to go in the off season with. It's like, I mean, I'm assuming it'll be something that Jerry West in that front office they even explore is what, what will our team look like without him? What is our relationship with Kawhi Leonard? They got to figure it out right there. But I mean, they're a they're a would champion. You give, would you give Kawhi Leonard to Portland if you get Damian Lillard? Hmm. And have Kawhi and PG, and I just – I don't need – I can't even answer that. Probably not. I mean, I'd probably – if Kawhi Leonard can come back and play and we know what Kawhi Leonard is, I probably don't. Because I don't know if Damian Lillard, like, to the Clippers, we don't know if that – like, Damian Lillard, on the, if he somehow got to the Lakers, that's, like, an overwhelming – like, that's a championship team. I don't know if you X out Kawhi Leonard out of the picture and put Damian Lillard in instead and then – uh, Reggie Jackson's gone, I guess. Yeah, he'd definitely be gone if you get Lillard. I just don't know if that gets you to the title because they're a title or bust team, right? Like, that's the mode they're in when they gave yeah, away yeah. X amount of picks and shot goes. Dame doesn't exactly it. play good defense, so I don't know how much better they really would be. It's just an interesting thought. They, yeah, I mean, they'd just be a pure offensive team. They'd be like what they are now, just with another scorer, I would assume. And no, you just wouldn't have Reggie Jackson. You'd have Dame giving you 30, 35, 40 if he wants. But, I mean, I have no more on the playoffs. If you have, a, if you have anything else to close out with. No, Suns in seven, Bucks in seven, maybe. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then I'm with you as well. Suns in seven. And then I said it. I said the the Hawks are taking it in six. They're going to win the next two. Giannis will not play. And uh, all right. Well, I mean, we can jump off the basketball stuff. And for the first time on this, we will jump into talking some uh, some UFC. We got a huge trilogy card coming uh, coming next weekend. Obviously, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, they will swear off for a third time. This is the second time at lightweight. The first time was at a featherweight. And uh, I mean, I'm hyped, uh, I'm hyped for this one. I think it's definitely one. It's it's a legacy fight, I would say, for more so for Conor McGregor than it is for Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is more of like a grind guy. And if he, I mean, if he was to lose this, he would, he would still be around, but it's like, if Conor McGregor loses this trilogy fight, it's like, is that the last time we see Conor McGregor in the octagon? He says a lot of bold stuff. Like he, he, this is his fight season and he's doing a three fight season. But I mean, let's be honest, Conor McGregor only cares about cash and checks. And if he loses another one and loses two straight, to uh to the same guy the allure of conor mcgregor he'd still sell pay-per-views but it's like the allure and the uh i guess the mystique of this guy kind of fades off oh i totally agree i think this is actually a huge fight for mcgregor like i think he really needs to win and hopefully win in like a dominating fashion i don't know poirier is very good i wouldn't be surprised if he wins the fight but like for conor I think it's just very important and you know he sold his whiskey he's like very very well off so it's like he doesn't need to fight. He's got the wife. He's got the kid now. It's it's just interesting to see. I hope he comes out ready to go because, like, the last fight was a little bit of a disappointment because heading into the Dustin Poirier, the second match, he was coming off the Cerrone fight, and that was just a quick – I think, let's see, it says 40 seconds. Yeah, it was a quick, quick knockout. And it's, so we fi- I figured he was going to go in and – well, beat up Poirier, but he got, he got beat up. So it's like I think it's a very important fight for Connor. Now, if he loses and he he could still draw pay per views because like everybody knows the name Connor McGregor. He's huge. Like it brings the name Connor McGregor is just like Floyd Mayweather. It brings in like casuals for pay per view fights. So he could easily still fight and sell uh, sell the pay per views. But I don't know if he wants to do that if it's not at like the highest level. You can always box Jake Paul. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the better fighters on the planet. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you if you wanna schedule a fight with a legend like that guy, I mean, he's been running. I mean, if he's walking out with a hundred million, I I think he'd be up for it. Oh yeah, but I mean, to toss it back, yeah, going into the fight in January, yeah, they fought in January, the rematch in January. It's just it was weird. It's almost like I watched how Conor came out and his stance, and he was stiff, and it was a boxing stance, and there wasn't really. I mean, when I watched Conor McGregor, we're talking not really the Cerrone fight because he did the same the same kind of style. But when you, if you go back and watch the the classic Conor McGregor when he fought, uh, I would say Nate Diaz the second time around when he fought Aldo when he fought Eddie Alvarez, he had the karate style, his movement. He kind of glided in and out. He was in the pocket and then he could get out of the pocket, and he he was very shifty. Right when you watch the rematch with uh, Dustin Poirier in January, he's heavy on the lead foot. He's kind of just. He's kind of he, – he's in boxing mode. It almost looked like – I mean, there was rumors he was going to box Manny Pacquiao, right? So I almost kind of think, like, he didn't take Dustin Poirier serious. He assumed I slept him four years ago, and it was fairly easy, which it was. He mentally bullied him before they even fought and then KO'd him in the first. But he kind of looked like he could just – he thought he would just breeze right through him, right? I would just – all I got to do is connect with a left hand, and this guy's going to fold – 
and then I'll go box Manny Pacquiao for $100 million. And obviously we saw that it didn't pan out and he got his leg chewed up and then he eventually got his chin tore up too. But um, yeah, it's huge. I mean, going into it, I expect Conor McGregor to get back to that old style of being shifty in there, gliding in there. I expect him to throw a lot more leg kicks, to be honest. He did it a lot in the Diaz rematch. He didn't throw a lot of leg kicks in the first Diaz fight. But I expect him to, yeah, come out and drill the leg, uh, similar to how he did against Nate Diaz in their rematch. It's going to slow down Poirier. It's going to give him a better shot to glide in there again. And then I think he'll – I think he's taking this super serious, if I'm being honest. Uh, He said that he went away from the family. I mean, guys don't go away from their families unless they're taking something. Guys with hundreds of millions of dollars don't go away from their families for two, three months and go train for a a sanctioned fist fight if they're not taking this pretty damn seriously. So, I mean, I think – I think we're going to see some vintage Conor McGregor. I can't lie. I can't wait until they face off. I think next week, press conference, I think we're going to see a little bit more hostility too. They were trading barbs on Twitter. So I think this is going to have, because the January fight, I mean, they were slapping hands, trading bottles of hot sauce and whiskey and (laughs) signing autographs for each other. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel like a, like a real Conor McGregor match, even though the Cerrone fight didn't really feel like that either, even though there was like some bad blood years past with Cerrone, they kind of crushed that, but it's like, I think this time you're going to see the bad blood Connor. Like you're going to see the pissed off one, the trash talking. I don't know if it'll work the same. Cause I think Dustin's way, he's way stronger mentally and he he's kind of been through that ringer. And then it's like, he has the confidence coming off the January fight. He already knocked him out. He's like, I can knock you out. Like I've already done it. You have one against me, but it's like, who has the, you're only as good as your last one. Connor McGregor. He says that, right. He says you're only as good as your last one. So, I mean, Dustin Poirier could fire that right at him. So, I, I mean, I'm excited for next week. I'll tell you that. I think we're going to get some good trash talk leading into it. And this is going to be a good old fashioned fist fight. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think McGregor does realize that this is a big fight for him that he needs to come out in like peak condition, ready to go. And I think he's not underestimating Poirier this time. I think he understands, like you said, Poirier is much stronger mentally and Poirier feels like he should win the fight. He's going in feeling like I should be the favorite. I beat him up last time. I'm going to beat him up again. I think Poirier is ready to go, and it's going to be super fun to watch. I'm, If I were to bet on the fight, I would just take McGregor probably because a focus McGregor is a scary thing, and I haven't lost faith in him quite yet. Like I said, I think he understands the severity of this fight for him, so I think he's going to be locked in. Like you said, he left his family so that to train, so that's like that's pretty high levels of focus. So I would go McGregor. But I think it's going to be a good one. I'm very excited to watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If if I was a betting man, I would lean McGregor, I would say, inside a round and a half, if I'm being honest. Like, I think if he's going to finish it, I think it's going to be it's going to be quick. He's going to catch him, and he's going to follow up. He kind of caught him a couple times in the first match, but he never really followed up. He was, he was weird. I mean, it kind of looks – I don't like to say ring rust because it's like these guys are professionals, and, like, I don't even think they would like to. But he did say – said you got to get in there right I've only been in there one time in x amount of months so it's um interesting I mean it's gonna be a hell of a fight co-main event before that we got Gilbert Burns coming back off of his devastating knockout where he almost knocked out Kamaru Usman I thought he knocked him out (laughs) off the rip when he clipped him good that was close and the going in we were talking about it Burns like if Burns had a chance to win he's got to knock him out early and he went for it and to his credit he got close he shook him for a second but Usman showed why he's the champ 
Exactly. And I mean, yeah, this is his first test in what's obviously going to be a tough road back if Usman's going to be the champion. He's fighting Stephen Thompson, who in his own regard, I mean, he's fought for the belt a couple of times. He fought Tyron Woodley twice and he's not the easiest puzzle to solve. I mean, I think as of right now, he is the betting favorite. It's pretty close, but I think Burns is the underdog and it's like, Thompson's kind of in this weird spot where everybody else in this division has kind of been beaten by Usman. And it's like, including Covington, who they're looking to get the rematch of those two together. But it's like, if Stephen Thompson can go out and look good and get a finish or just absolutely dominate Gilbert Burns, um, he could vault himself into sneaking into a title shot just because he's never fought Kamaru Usman. And that's a fresh fight that the UFC could, uh, could sell to the fans. I mean, obviously, I think they ultimately go with the Colby. They'll figure that out somehow. I don't see how they don't. There's so much money in that. But Stephen Thompson, he's a uh, he's a tough tough guy to solve. I think Gilbert Burns has his work cut out. Obviously, he could go in and just use the wrestling. Like, he could try to get in, but it's like the karate style that Stephen Thompson possesses with the kicks and the ability to move. He's not the easiest to close the distance on. And Gilbert Burns, being he was a lightweight before moving up. So he's going to be the smaller guy. He's going to have to close the distance and really get a – get to the inside with Thompson to make it interesting. He's very capable of doing it. I mean, I, I would lean Burns to bounce back, but I think this is very close. I mean, wonder boy, Steven Thompson, he's a hell of a fighter. And like Burns, like you said, is smaller. I always like the bigger guys. I mean, it's just like natural, like Thompson has a longer reach. He's a little bit taller. They're about the same weight right now, but Burns is just smaller I, I'm leaning Burns, but it's like now with a lot of confidence. I think this is also going to be a good one, but I just think Burns bounces back after the Usman fight. He was on a roll before that, and there's no shame in losing to Usman. That dude is a freak. He's fantastic. So I, I would lean Burns. I have a question for you, a hypothetical, because yep. you were saying you were talking about if Thompson just washes Burns and maybe they line up an Usman fight. How do you think that would go with Thompson? I mean, I would pick Usman. I'm not really picking anyone over Usman at all, but do you think that would be close? Or? Um, I think it would be close just in the sense that Thompson's not a guy you can just, like, rush in. He, he, you'll see it when you watch next weekend. He's got a weird – you could even look it up. He's got a weird – the karate style and the way he moves. It's not a guy – he's not going to sit there and trade with Kamaru Usman in the pocket, and that's what Burns is doing, right? He was just going to sit there all night, yep. and he knew he had one shot to win, and he had to sleep him. And then Usman obviously figured that out. So, I mean, I would obviously take Usman. I think he'd be able to eventually – he's just as big. I mean, Usman's a big guy at welterweight. So, I think he would eventually crack that code just how um, Tyron Woodley did. Tyron Woodley figured it out. They had two ugly fights. I mean, it wouldn't be pretty, I don't think. I don't think the fight would be pretty to watch. It wouldn't really be a fight for the casuals where they get um, – super excited and expecting a bloodbath and a back and forth war. I think it would just be, it'd be like a chess match. It'd be too, but I think Usman would win. I don't think, I don't really have any Usman doubt. has no problem being born as long as he wins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Usman doesn't care. I think he would figure it out. He's been, his striking has been getting uh, better and better. And then obviously he has the grappling and the cardio. So it's like Usman could go for days. And I just don't think Thompson has enough tools. He has tools to frustrate Usman early, but I think Usman has a good enough team and he's smart enough to uh, make the adjustments for a fight like that. And he would ultimately figure out that uh, puzzle, but I definitely, I don't think Burns figures it out. I think Burns being smaller, he's going to have a tough time. Um, 
cracking the Stephen Thompson code. And I don't really, I mean, I don't think Thompson gets a title fight, although it'd be an interesting one if like Colby Covington prices himself out, which Colby Covington's kind of like kind of a jerk, kind of a, I'm not going to say the other words, the other, the other words, they're not, a, they're not, they're not too friendly, but I mean, he, he could easily price himself out and right. And then Dana White in the UFC to just say, F you will roll Steven Thompson or Newsman and have no problem. I mean, they'll sell some pay-per-views, but I mean, they'll just stick it to uh Colby. Yeah, Dana has no problem saying no, if you want too much, like he does not care. Yeah. I just think the Usman Covington fight makes too much, much sense. And then uh, Thompson would go somewhere else. He'd have to pick up another win in order to secure the fight. Cause I don't think he'd be somebody that just sits there and, uh, and waits for, for Usman. But I mean, that's really it. We got Greg Hardy. I mean, I think Greg Hardy gets washed pretty quick. <laughs> I, I, I hope so, dude. <laughs> Not yeah. a Greg Hardy fan. Nah, uh, Ty Tuivasa is pretty good. He's pretty, uh, He's not really great, but I mean, he's definitely a step up from the guys that Greg Hardy's been fighting. So, I mean, I think he gets washed. Uh, Sean O'Malley's fight, he was supposed to fight. Uh, I guess his guy just dropped out. Uh, so, he's without an opponent on a week's notice. Who knows if he will fight? I love watching him fight, though. He always he always comes out there with, with something to prove. O'Malley's super entertaining to watch, and it's unfortunate that that fight dropped because that was – I mean, I think he was like minus 300 or 400, rightfully so. I, I figured he was going to win in a dominating fashion, but I'm always interested in seeing that. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's really it. I mean, I'm not going to go down the prelims. That's not really, I'm not, I'm not a prelims guy, right? Like I'm a guy, I'm going to get to the, I'm going to get to the big stuff and talk about the big stuff. I mean, we, we, we covered that. We talked about all the basketball we could really talk about NFL dry period still a couple weeks though. I mean, we're getting into July where we'll start, uh, start hopefully we'll look at getting some division breakdowns and really uh, getting into the nitty gritty previews, season previews, some, uh, some breakdowns. I mean, we just got to sit back. We got best of three in the Eastern conference finals. We got a two game set where we'll see what happens tomorrow night. It's a, it's an interesting time in uh in sports, I'd say with the NBA, it's kind of a weird. It's weird with these teams left, and then obviously the injuries. But I mean, any closing remarks as we uh, wrap this thing up? No, not really. Uh, I'm just excited for the future. I am ready to get football underway. That's what I'm really excited for. And then this McGregor fight, I cannot wait. 100%. I am 100% pumped for football. Jalen Hurts MVP, Devonta Smith Rookie of the Year. Um, place to bets now. Just uh, have no fear. Trust me. And then even the Nick Sirianni. one is a lock. Yeah. Uh, even Nick Sirianni, coach of the year. He, he will do some special things. Now, nah, but on a serious note, hype for the fights. I mean, it's a good third episode. It was good. Uh, good talking the playoff stuff. Good getting in everything. I mean, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Take3Sports. Um, that link will be in the description. We also are on Spotify. So if you only want to listen to audio only, you don't want to see all these pictures and all this other stuff. If you're just an audio only in the car. You can listen to that. We also have a link to the Spotify in the description. I mean, fire out a like, subscribe, drop a comment. If we suck, say that in the comments. That's fine with me. Eh? Let us know uh, what we can do to fix this thing up. And as always, we'll, we'll be back with another one and uh, continually working on. Thanks for tuning in.